0: Hello Maverick fans. welcome to another edition of the Mav I'm back, Jason.
1: And I am John. It's good to have you back Jason. It's been a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah we'll see if the fans say it's good to have you back.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah pretty Bridget- sure they're all sitting there going
0: oh I thought we got rid of that idiot.
1: <laughs> Bridget is always a popular pick on the Mav cast, but it's great to have you back. We're here to talk about UNO's first road trip of the NCHC season up to Minnesota Duluth to take on the Bulldogs. They were struggling a bit coming into this series. They were like a car leaking oil. They've got some good talent on that team, but they'd had their struggles. They were 5-5-0 and coming into the series. But UNO, I thought, got off to a good start on Friday night. It certainly didn't look like the Friday night Mavs, Jason.
0: No, this was a little uh, abnormal, I'd say, for the team that we usually see. They usually come out kind of, we've talked about just them kind of feeling out what's going to happen, how is this game going to go, what you know? What do we have to deal with on the other side, and uh, they just kind of, they came out with with what I have wanted to see from them of, we're going to play our game, we're going to do it our way and we're going to make you adapt to us rather than us always having to kind of shift our game to you.
1: 14-25 in the first period. UNO gets the scoring started for the evening, Jason. Uh, it was Nolan to Nolan. It was Nolan Crenson to Nolan Sullivan, although I've watched the replay of that goal multiple times and with the sort of semi-low-res kind of brainy-ish quality, although the UMD broadcast is... Uh, very, very good. I still don't know how Nolan Sullivan got anything on that buck, but uh, we'll go with it. And it's possible they'll decide to change their mind on this by the time Wednesday rolls around. But Nolan Sullivan to Nolan Krenzen, Jacob Slipek also got an assist on that goal. It was a good tone setter for UNO. We always always say that UNO plays better when they get that uh, one goal lead in a game. So uh, a good position for them to be in going into the second, Jason.
0: Yeah, you know, it was nice because they had some, they had some good play. They were pressuring the puck well. You know, it's a we know it's a young team, so we know game to game it's going to be up and down. We're also going to have a lot of peaks and valleys with this group. You know, in a game from minute to minute, shift to shift kind of thing. And so there were some times that we got you know hemmed in and. Jarski made some amazing saves to keep us in it. Uh, And then, you know, to see them get rewarded because they were putting in a good effort in the first period. Uh, You know, it came fairly late, probably, what, two thirds of the way through that first period that we get on the board. And, you know, you always feel better being up one nothing than down one nothing. Uh, But then the second period happened and I really thought we struggled a lot in that second period.
1: Yeah, that definitely seemed to be the consensus on Twitter on Friday nights. And the next two goals are scored by Minnesota Duluth. So UNO goes into the third period down two to one, but early in that period, 113 in. Ty Mueller gets the power play goal for UNO. UNO did well on the power play during this game, ties the game up two to two. Anything is possible. And then some interesting penalties happen, which As Jason is well aware and Bridget's well aware and Jolene is well aware is my least favorite thing to talk about because we've had so many odd calls and non-calls. St. Cloud State fans were talking about this in their Friday night game against Western Michigan as well. So uh, this has become uh, an interesting uh, issue for UNO, but there was an interesting penalty, uh, a two-minute for a cross check uh Bettens was called for a penalty on Mancini and this this play this penalty was a bit controversial to the UMD uh announcer who was calling the games on NCHC TV
0: yeah it was and honestly I kind of agree with him it was a pretty soft call in our favor I agree with making a call there you know we've we've talked about this of, of like you have a player who lost an edge going to retrieve a puck He's in a vulnerable position as as the forward coming in in that in that situation, it is my responsibility not to make contact with a vulnerable player. you know that's the the pitch by the NCAA, uh, by the NCHC, by pretty much every coach, is don't encourage players to take advantage of another player that's in a vulnerable position. You know, and then a lot of times this comes into play, I'd probably say more frequently with, you know, open ice hits across the middle, but here's a situation where he's, he's vulnerable. The Duluth player decides that he's going to finish his check into the boards. And like, I didn't see anything that say head contact me as a ref in that situation. I'm not giving him five in a game. I'm not probably giving him five because I don't see any, you know, intent really on there. You just made a poor decision to follow through on what normally would be a legal check, but you did see the numbers going in. So I probably would have called them two minutes for boarding is kind of how I looked at that. And then they call them for a cross check. And I'm sitting here going like, where out of left field, did you pull that? Like, did you really just go, Oh, players down. I got to call a penalty. Um, well, I've called a lot of cross checks today. So let's call a couple more of those. Like, I just didn't understand like what, like I understand making a call. I just didn't understand the call they made.
1: It gave you, and O the power play and Matt Miller, ends up getting the go-ahead goal, which turned out to be the game-winning goal for UNO at 11.33 in the third period, about midway through the third period. So UNO was in a good position going down the stretch. And then another interesting sequence of events happens with 6.29 left in the third period. UMD was moving the puck in our defensive zone. It was a situation where Wyatt Kaiser ended up running in to Jake Kaharski. One of the linesmen is standing right there, looking at this play, does not blow his whistle. The play continues on. UMD ends up putting the puck in the net with Jake Kaharski face down in the goal. And then the whistle is finally called. And at that point, the players were amalgamated behind the net. A melee ensues. Quinn Olson and Matt Miller get into it, they both end up going to the box. Wyatt Kaiser ends up going to the box with a five-minute major for goaltender interference. What did you think of that entire sequence of events? And why do you think the official who was standing right there, I went back and watched the replay, was standing right there next to the goal. Why do you think he didn't blow the whistle then when Kaiser barreled into Jake Kuharski? I don't have the first dang clue
0: what the hell was going on at that. Here's when you know that the the referees have have lost the game that it's gone to hell. Like you know it's bad when the home announcer is advocating for the stupidity of a play that benefits the visiting team. You either call it or you don't. Like suck it up. You're either a referee or not. And it's like I I can understand where. Initially, maybe the the and that's the thing is like all of this could be prevented. Like I understand being in the position to say, I'm not making a call. You know, whatever happened, he was pushed in, whatever. I'm not making a call in the goaltender interference. Okay. We possess the puck out of the zone. So if you're not making that call, you're giving the goalie a chance to get back up, get back into the play. Okay. The minute the turnover happens. The whistle's blown for an injured player. It would happen with any other injured player. You're not going to pl- blow a play dead just because someone's down, right? But the second that turnover happens, you now have the potential for injury. And as a ref, that should be your number one thing is keeping everyone safe. That puck should have been blown dead the second it turned over to the loot. And it wasn't until they were able to get it into the zone. And basically, just before you, you know, he's taking the shot, or after, I don't know how you, like, it's pretty close as to whether or not that, that shot was after the whistle. Everything that happened is that referee's fault. Flat out, it's his fault. Like, there's none of this scrum afterwards because of the shot, you know, believing to be after a whistle or something that led to the matching, uh, roughing penalties. That doesn't happen if you do your dang job and blow the whistle when the puck turns over. Like, it's so bad that I saw someone tweet, I think it's a hockey East writer is what he was. Like he, He tweeted that the NCHC, the best players in college hockey with the worst refs. I'm like, he's not no skin in the game. And he's watching this stuff going, this is perennially bad. And not just this one game. Like it's week to week, terrible. It's game to game. It's, I went back and watched some of the Denver North Dakota game going, these refs are just as bad. Make a consistent call, decide what you're going to do, call it evenly both ways. And if you're going to let something go, then let it go. But you can't just be like, hey, it's OK to, you know, slash the crap out of someone for 40 minutes. And then in the third period, pull your whistle out and start going every time you touch them, I'm going to blow my whistle. That's poor referee. That is the epitome of poor referee. Either call it at the beginning and call it at the end or you don't call it at all.
1: Now, it was suggested by Chris Bame on Twitter that perhaps the official was focused on the puck during that.
0: You've got two referees for a reason. So if both of you are watching the puck. You both fail like. You're supposed to work together so that one person sees the puck and the play that's happening, and the other person is watching the rest of the stuff. One of you should have been looking there. The ref is in the right position. He's where he should be. He should be able to see the net and the puck at the same time. Same time. Like, you're yeah. right there. You're looking through the net at the puck when the player slides into cars. Like, there's no reason why you should not, why you should be able to say, I didn't see it as your excuse. Like, no one of you should have had eyes on that.
1: UNO does not capitalize uh, during that five-minute major, so the game ends three to two. It was a good road win for UNO, um, and at that point, UNO was undefeated on the road this season. We've had our struggles at home, but but on the road, we've actually uh, we've actually. I told defeated. you, UNO
0: doesn't like us for some reason. They don't want to win at home. <laughs>
1: That's right. They don't want to win in front of us for some reason. Uh, uh, Hopefully this little break coming up, uh, things will be remedying in that regard. But uh, that was a good road win for UNO. They took advantage of the opportunity against uh, a struggling UMD team on Friday night. And then we go into Saturday night, and I got to tell you, at that point, and I agree with this sentiment because I saw this a lot uh, on Twitter and online uh, after that Friday game, that was already a great outcome for UNO uh, in this road series. We've had our struggles against uh, Minnesota Duluth on the road. I think the last time we beat Duluth on the road was 2018. So it had been a while since we'd had success up there. So going into the Saturday night game, Jason, what did you think – about UNO's chances in that game?
0: For me, it could go like one of two ways. It was either going to be, we we're going to get blown out because we just figured, you know, our hope was uh, to earn a split. We got one win. Let's just, you know, throw everything at the wall and let's see uh, see what sticks. And, you know, it might've been just a blowout because UNO is just playing with no care, right? And we talked about this team being young and stuff and kind of having that that chip on their shoulder. They go out and just play like, it doesn't matter. We're expected to lose. So who cares if we lose, we're going to go out there and see if we can win. I kind of expected the game to go a little bit that way. It was either that or Duluth was just going to take charge and be like, we're a better team and we need to prove it right now. But I really think that they've been struggling so much that that locker room's probably second guessing a lot of stuff right now. And so my expectation was that it would be a little bit more of for UNO kind of just coming out um, and Duluth gets the first goal. And I, at that point in time, I was kind of like, ooh, we weren't playing great. Uh, we were missing a lot of assignments early, basic assignments in, in the zone where you're, you're chasing and traveling instead of respecting where your position is and, and what your responsibility and role is in a, in a system. And so I was like, that's not going to end up well for us. Uh, but you know, luckily, they pulled it together in the first and we came back just down one at the end of the first.
1: That was, a, that was a fortunate position to be in. And as you said, puck handling wasn't good. Passing wasn't great. A lot of the fundamental plays were lacking for the team. But thankfully, when you're playing a team that's struggling, as, as Duluth has been, uh, it created some opportunities for UNO. So yeah, we score about six minutes into the second period. Jake Pavanka, who's turned into a scoring machine since uh, transferring from Notre Dame, who knew he had it in him? Uh, gets the goal with an assist to Kirby Proctor. He was Bridget's uh, player of the weekend last week. Uh, he's been having some impressive performances recently. So UNO ties it up late in the second period on a power play goal. Minnesota Duluth Ben Steves again, who almost had the hat trick in this game, uh, gets power play goal late in the second period. Duluth is up two to one. We're headed to the third. Throughout most of the third, I thought this is just not going to be UNO's game. And then at the 18:29 mark in the third period, Matt Miller, who had a great weekend, ties it up 2-2, two to two, and we're going to overtime. Another one of my least favorite situations in college hockey, because I always have to explain to people a win in that overtime period does not count as a full win in the pairwise rankings. Uh, we were talking a little bit about what percentage of a win it counts as if you win in that three-on-three overtime period, uh, and I did look this up on College Hockey News this morning, and a win in that overtime period counts essentially as 55% of a win, uh, a loss is 45 percent of a win so in that overtime period you can kind of throw caution to the win in my opinion um really what you're playing for when it comes to a series like this is that extra conference point which can be really critical so I'm always excited with the three-on-three because a player like Tyler Weese, he's a guy that's a force to be reckoned with and there were some opportunities for UNO in this overtime period on Saturday night
0: yeah you would expect that Open ice to really benefit U and O. It benefits their game, I think. Uh, Duluth's been known to play more of a uh, grind it out, more of a physical game, and so you get into that three on three. And I'm thinking, I you know, I like our chances. Uh, You know, we had some struggles at times with uh, with the three on three is because we don't focus enough on on puck possession. Uh, And I really felt like this game, this overtime, we really took our time patient there was a couple times where we brought it out of the zone to regroup instead of just trying to force a play along the boards or something like that and so i really was kind of we had some good opportunities i'm thinking we're going to find a way to get this done
1: and ultimately we do not get it done quinn olson uh who we mentioned for being in that scrum uh, on friday night ends up getting the game-winning goal, so officially goes on the uh, NCAA record books as a split. Uh, But UNO gets four points out of a possible six points in the conference race during this series, which I think is a really, really good result uh, for them going on the road uh, to a program like Minnesota-Duluth. And when we looked at the schedule going into the season and we looked uh, at the uh, start of NCHC play, we knew we had North Dakota at Baxter Arena, then we had to go on the road to Duluth, and then we had a week off and had to go on the road after Thanksgiving to Denver. And we were looking at those three series. And I know back in September, we were looking at that and we were like, oh my gosh, they could go 0-6 in those games very easily. But UNO has had positive results these past two weekends. So uh, so I was impressed uh, with how they played. It wasn't always pretty. And there are a lot of things for the team to work on. But they kept at it. They kept fighting. They kept grinding. Anyway, positive outcome for the weekend. So I got to ask you, Jason, who's your player of the week?
0: For me, the the first one's a no brainer. It's Matt Miller. To be honest with you, I liked, I liked the roughing call. Like I liked him standing up for, for his goaltender and saying, look, if the refs aren't going to, if the refs aren't going to do this, I'm going to step in and and let them know, you know, sometimes I felt in past years, you know, we just kind of roll over. We didn't have guys you know that would, would step up and certainly going into the season, um, you know, we kind of lost the we would lost some of those gritty guys that that I would expect to be the, the ones that would step up to that. And so to see Matt Miller kind of be productive on the score sheet in the sense of scoring goals, uh, you know, he had a couple good plays that, that could have easily been a couple more points for him for the weekend. And so uh, I really noticed him. I noticed his game. Um, I like that he's kind of starting to to get a feel for it. You know, hopefully that's good things for you to come in the future.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, You know, we missed him last weekend. Uh, He was uh, uh, sustained an injury uh, during the Long Island University Series, so he was not available for the North Dakota Series, and uh, we certainly missed him in that series. It's great to have him back this weekend. Two goals on the weekend. Originally a Michigan State commit uh, who ended up landing at UNO. Very, very happy that he did. So I think that's a great pick. It's probably the obvious pick uh, for this weekend uh, offensively, and uh, I like that pick, Jason. I am going to go with Jake Kaharski on the weekend. I'm going to go with the goaltender. Uh, Faced 38 shots on Friday night, and he faced 39 shots on Saturday night. He allowed uh, two goals in regulation both nights, obviously gave up the goal in the three-on-three overtime period on Saturday night, but it was a really good weekend for him. Uh, he's kind of coming to his own. I was speculating a couple weeks ago whether he would get the nod in net both nights because they had been splitting early between uh, Koharski and uh, freshman Simon Lekotsi. But Kaharski the veteran player who came in from AIC, uh, he's been looking good so far this season and I've been impressed with his play. Uh, so I had to go with the goaltender We don't pick goaltenders very much but I had to go with him I think Bridget picked him a couple weeks ago on the podcast so I went with Kaharski for his performance both nights because he faced a lot of shots.
0: He saved our bacon a few times there was a couple scrambles in front of the net that Duluth put probably four or five shots on you know and and he just found a way to make saves and there, were, there was some really impressive. Uh, saves that he made, so very, very good pick there.
1: Yeah, yeah, a great weekend for him. It'll be interesting to see if they get uh, like Coatsy back in the lineup, but uh, in the meantime, uh, Kuharski has proved to be a solid addition in that. So I'm glad they were able to uh, pick him up in the transfer portal during the off season, and uh, it'll be exciting to see uh, what happens uh, with Kuharski in the Mavs the next uh, next couple of series. Uh-huh. One of the things that we noticed that was going on during the uh, UMD series was they had a teddy bear toss on Saturday night. And my recollection of the past 25 years of UNO hockey is I don't recall us ever having a teddy bear toss. I know that uh, some of the UNO fans in association with the Blue Line Club did a caps for cancer toss so during an intermission. Fans would bring a, a new unworn cap and they would toss it onto the ice. And then those caps would be uh, donated to cancer patients who lost uh, lost their hair. But I don't think we've done a pure teddy bear toss around the holidays or at any other time during the season. What do you think of the teddy bear toss traditions. Should UNO add it to their regular stable of events that they do during the season? Should they not do a teddy bear toss? What are your thoughts on throwing stuffed animals onto the ice during a hockey game, Jason?
0: I think it's a great idea. I like it. You know, uh, they did um, in Colorado for the minor league team. Uh, so I went to a few of those and it's you know, it's always a good event. It's always a feel-good thing for fans. fan. I was surprised when we were talking about it because I'm like, yeah, it seems odd that we don't considering, you know, all the promotional stuff that, that I've seen this team do. You know, I know that the guys enjoy going to Children's Hospital and, you know, interacting with the kids. And it seems like a, like a no-brainer when it comes to the kind of connection. So it's a bit surprising that we haven't done it. You know, we have the children's hospital here, so you know I would think that it would be something that, that they could easily work out a deal with kind of thing. So I don't know, I think they should. I think it'd be kind of fun and you know a lot of a lot of times they correspond with like a teddy bear toss on on Fridays and then maybe the toys for tots on Saturday. It's a time of year where we'd expect to see toys for tots at some point.
1: Yeah, I'm curious as to when the uh, Toys for Tots is taking place this year. We weren't able to get confirmation before we recorded this podcast, but normally they do that during a, a series in December. So we, the next home series comes up in early December. So maybe they'll do it that weekend. Uh, we will obviously pass along that information in a future podcast uh, and on Facebook and Twitter when they make that announcement, but we've had the opportunity to participate in a couple of, uh, a teddy bear tosses when we've gone to see UNO play on the road. So back in the 0405 season, uh, there was a teddy bear toss, when we went up, and I think it was December of 2004, when we went up for the uh, UNO series against uh, Northern Michigan, we ended up getting stuffed animals at the local Target, and we tossed them onto the ice. One of the UNO fans, because we we were sitting behind the net, all of our visiting group was sitting behind the nets on one end during that series, and so he decided to be ambitious, and he tried to throw the stuffed animal. I, if I recall correctly, it was a stuffed dog. He tried to throw it over the net. The ice And the dog's head ended up getting stuck on the little bar that holds up the top of the nets. Uh, back in 2018, when we went up for the St. Cloud State series, they had a teddy bear toss. And so Bridget and I found a stuffed uh, husky at Ikea that looked very much like uh, the St. Cloud State mascots. And uh, I threw it on the ice that night during their teddy bear toss And some intoxicated St. Cloud fan gave me a hug and thought that was so nice that as visiting fans, we threw the Husky onto the ice. So it's it's kind of a neat tradition. I'd love to get to do it uh, at a UNO game. It'd be tough to throw our stuffed animals from the second tier, but I hope they try it someday. I think that that would be a neat deal. The next thing we want to talk about are special occasion jerseys. And this is something that Jason and I, as hockey fans, were both wearing jerseys. I'm wearing one of the old red jerseys that UNO had. And UNO has done a number of special jersey auctions in the past, in particular when they were playing down at the CenturyLink Center. They'd had a military appreciation night. They had a, a, a breast cancer awareness night. So they had pink jerseys for that. They used to do a number of special occasion jerseys during the games. And the Omaha Lancers this weekend for Veterans Day, they had red, white, and blue Lancers jerseys that the team wore that were up for auction. Uh, And one of our fellow fans, Tim Wagner, procured one of the jerseys during the auction. Jason, I know you being a big Colorado Avalanche fan, you see that team wearing a number of special jerseys. Do you think UNO needs to do these special jersey nights again?
0: I think they do. I, th- I think it's unrealistic to expect them to do, you know, what like an NHL team would do with a number of jerseys and stuff. But, you know, as a fan, it's, it's kind of cool to be able to buy some of those, to have some of those to remember, you know, those games. And I think that it could be a really cool way for UNO just to set some games aside. So the Avalanche have a, they have a third jersey and a lot of the, the NHL teams do this where they have a they have their home, they have their way, they have their third. Um, and they'll use those for division nights. And so if you go to an in-division game, you're going to see that. And I'm like, well, that'd be pretty cool if we have, you know, our normal away and our normal home. But when it's an NCHC game, we're wearing this season, we've got some special jersey or something like that. You know, as a moneymaker for the school, because, you know, as fans, we kind of hate this part of it, but it is a business. You are trying to, not necessarily say turn a profit, but you're trying to break even at minimum on a season or something. Like to have this every every uh, NCHC game, you're gonna wear this thing, and then you can sell it in the uh, the little store in the concourse, or sell it in the team stores uh, on campus, and you know it's just kind of a, a neat opportunity. I know a lot of teams at, at a bunch of different levels will do uh, a special cancer night and do the whole jersey off my back kind of thing and stuff. And UNO's done that where they've had Leap for the Cure. I've worn that jersey when we've been on here before. Um, so you can go and bid on those types of things, but I think it's, it's kind of cool to see them wear the jerseys and, and be like, I have a piece of that, you know, I have a part of that history and that tradition, but not make it limited to that, you know, you know, be able to buy those jerseys in the store. So it's not just the people who, you know, want to, to bid up, a, a an auction type of thing. because. I always, I always see that some of those jerseys for the leap for the cure stuff, like some of them are the minimum, you know, it's like someone puts their name on the, on the minimum and that's it. It's, it's, it's gone for that. And there, and there's other ones that I've seen people come in and the first bid is the, you know, buy it outright one. And I just think it, it's fun for fans and it's a, a money-making opportunity for the university.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the leap for a cure. We've gotten the past three leap for a cure jerseys. And like you said, some of them go for the bare minimum. Uh, which is actually a really good price. There used to be a time when some of those Jersey auction jerseys would across the board go for like a $1,000. So I think it's always fun to have those nights. And I wish that they did more of them. Uh, you know, there was a discussion, I think Sam Spomer brought it up on Twitter this weekend, that UNO really needs to look at redesigning the jerseys. You are currently wearing UNO's road jersey design. I mean, I don't think they have the laces anymore. I think it's, it's the newer Climalite jersey without the laces, but it's the same basic design and it's it's not a particularly exciting design, Jason. I'd love to see some more color in the jerseys. I'd love to see the the O or the bull being featured uh, prominently on the chest. I mean, I just think there are so many opportunities to make the jersey exciting. It's hard for the apparel suppliers, whether it's the bookstore or Lawler's, to get the jerseys. They'd really like to be able to piggyback on the order that the team has to get the jerseys. So Hopefully they can potentially, maybe the marketing folks uh, behind UNO Athletics can work on this. I'd love to see a military night jersey again. I'd love to get a, a camo UNO jersey, maybe bull bullhead or the O. I think that'd be really cool to have in the collection. And it just looks really neat when you go to games mean, you get to see various fans. You can tell are probably diehard fans wearing some Jersey from some special game. That was always fun going to the Lancers games to see fans walking around the concourse and walking around the stands, wearing some really unique looking Omaha Lancers jerseys from the holidays or from the cancer awareness night to the military appreciation night. So I hope that they uh, potentially do that in and the future. Cause it'd be a lot of fun. There's So
0: many opportunities for some cool stuff. We were just talking in the last segment about the, Teddy Bear Toss and Toys for Tots and I've seen Toys for Tots with the you know where they've gone in with the Marines and they've designed a really cool logo and that they've used for that I've seen teams that have announced that they're doing that and that the special jersey would be on display starting at that event and then it's you know it's a limited thing like you mentioned they need to know that going into it um, so they put in this order, and you as a fan know going into it that, you know, if I really like that jersey, and I think that's really cool, there's only so many of them, and so you create that, like, like this jersey, it's neat and stuff, but if I want one, I don't have to buy one now, I can probably find it later on, if I don't get it this season, I'll probably get it next, and they're not going to change it, and it's like, there's no sense of urgency, fear of missing out, as we call it in the marketing world, uh, on that. And So it'd be nice to see the university kind of create some of that and say, hey, we've only got X number and they're only for sale at the game um, or in the bookstore, whatever's left over in the bookstore afterwards. And, you know, you can't buy them ahead of time. You Like that would just create that atmosphere of, you know, I see the jersey. I like the jersey. I'm going to go buy the jersey because I know if I wait, I won't be able to get it.
1: A couple that we know, Pete and Cheryl, Ossentoski, I think they have every special occasion jersey that UNO has done, and they make a point of making sure that they make the games when Those things are going to be worn by the team and those things are going to be auctioned so that they can make sure to get them. Even if you're not a person who's going to buy them, just the fact that you can come and see the team wearing the jerseys during the game, I think is neat. And and when some of the professional teams do things like Star Wars nights or when the Omaha Storm Chasers, you know, are the Omaha Runzas for a night and they wear Green and yellow uniforms that have uh, uh, a picture of the Runza from Runza's restaurants on them. I think that those things are great. I think they're a lot of fun, and I think UNO could uh, could have a lot of fun with that. So hopefully, Jason, we will see that in the future because you and I, as Jersey aficionados, would love to have that during the season. So, turning to two weeks from now, we get a we get a week off, which I will tell you, I need a week off. For from trying to talk about this team oh man it's 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 exhausting but we get a week off, so the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving, so Black Friday, we are going to be out at Denver University to take on the DU Pioneers, and they, I think a lot of people would agree, they are the class of the NCHC at this stage of the season. They are 9-3-0 and overall. Uh, they had a, a an interesting travel itinerary this weekend. They went uh, to uh, North Dakota to take on the North Dakota Fighting Hawks at Ralph Ingolstadt Arena, and there was snow, massive amounts of snow for early November, but uh, it was an interesting travel itinerary. Uh, Grand Forks Herald beat writer Brad Schlossman chronicled on Twitter uh, some of the interesting kind of travel woes that Denver had coming in for this series. But Denver came in to the Ralph and they swept uh, an ailing North Dakota team, a team that has had a number of injuries. And they lead the NCHC with 16 points in the conference race. They are seven points ahead of Western Michigan, who is in second place. We're all in danger of having them run away with the conference race uh, in the next month or so, depending on how things go. But this is this is one of those series for UNO fans that there's always a lot of opportunity, but there's always a lot of potential frustration because we just struggled against this team the past decade. And I know that you used to be, if I recall correctly, a season ticket holder. For DU hockey games. So, this is a program that you were very familiar with back during the days when you lived in Colorado. You guys have gone out for a number of the series out there. And what do you think about this series, Jason? What do you think about our chances going to DU?
0: Like you said, this is defending national champions. They're not having the hangover season that, you know, will we'll play some teams after they win and go deep and. They have the shorter off season. They didn't have a huge amount of, of turnover. Uh, they still have Corona and Net. This is not an easy, you know, an easy weekend, but to UNO's advantage, I mean, you just had a really good road trip. You know, you played pretty well against North Dakota at home. You know, you're sitting in a, a better position than expected, you know, heading into the series and you've got things that, that, You can put up against Denver. You know, if you look at Denver they're they've got some high end talent that's really carrying that team. And if you can find a way to keep them off the score sheet or limit the the damage that they do to you, uh, you know, UNO has a bit more of a balanced roster. And that presents a, you know, a unique situation for, for Denver to deal with, and, and maybe we can capitalize on that. Uh,
1: there are a number of players to watch for North Dakota. You mentioned Magnus Krona, who is probably the best uh, returning goaltender in the NCHC this season. But sophomore forward Massimo Rizzo has four goals and 14 assists. He's tied for fourth in the NCAA in points this season. Uh, former UNO recruit Casey Dornbach Who played for Harvard the past few seasons, transferred into DU. He has five goals and 10 assists this season. And then sophomore forward Carter Mazur, 12 goals and three assists. They've just got some really, really talented offensive threats on that team. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I will say, it's Parents Weekend for DU. I noticed that on their schedule. Now we tend to struggle on Parents Weekend, Jason. I don't know what DU's record perennially is on Parents Weekend, but because it's after Turkey Day and because it's parents weekend for them, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna project what typically happens to UNO on Parents Weekend. I'm gonna say the team, which has been playing surprisingly well on the road this season, is going to come out with a split during their road trip after Thanksgiving to denver university
0: for me like that would be the best case scenario like i just don't see and i don't know what you're thinking as far as it sounds like you're thinking win on friday because it's the the hangover day which i think that's probably our if we're gonna if we're gonna steal a win that's our best chance to steal a win realistically i think Denver's just just too strong right now they're they're not really struggling in a lot of areas uh, you know, they're always going to tell you that they have to get better about things, this and that and whatnot. But I'm going to predict that we get swept. But I'm going to say that we could easily split this if we go into it and take our week off and say we're going to clean things up. You know, our, our offensive zone entries have been really bad uh, this weekend against Duluth. And they weren't really great against North Dakota. Um, Our passing is, you know, it's great this game. It's terrible the next. It's, you know, okay in this period. And then it's just atrocious in the next period and stuff. And if if we take stupid penalties, we're really going to struggle this weekend.
1: They need to be consistent. They need to avoid taking silly penalties. And since you asked about what night I'm picking them to win, I'm going to say UNO serves up a Black Friday special and wins on Friday against Denver University. Be sure to follow MavPuck on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find links to all of our social channels at MavPuck.com as well as back episodes of this podcast, which we encourage you to watch and encourage you to listen to. So until next time, Jason, go Mavs.
0: Go Mavs.